Today, we're going to talk about small but pervasive rando myths that have stood the test of time. It's everything from women syncing up their periods to curing hangovers, so buckle up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Just Nas Science Podcast. Each episode, we debunk ridiculous yet common science misconceptions we find online and get just a little salty about them. I'm your favorite science teacher, Lauren. And I'm your personal neuroscientist, Nick. Before we get started, I just want to give uh, an update. Next week, we will not have a regular episode because I have army training that weekend and it leaves me way too tired to do an episode. But what I will do during the week is do a special episode to celebrate 1,000 listeners, uh, 1,000 uh, subscribers rather, on CastBox and 500 subs- uh, followers on Twitter. So a lot of big stuff to celebrate. So I'm going to do a special episode talking about if you're interested in doing a podcast and all this kind of stuff. So be on the lookout for that later this week. All right. So let's discuss some random ass myths that everybody's heard of. The first one is that myth. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) My name is Myth. (laughs) The first one is that bulls hate the color red. Every cartoon practically ever has shown a bull becoming enraged by a matador's red cape and charge right at it. So the obvious connection to a young viewer is that bulls hate the color red. But also like... Bulls of Crips. (laughs) also this is like a lot of adults believe this yeah yeah so not even just young kids this is pervasive throughout society it turns out that bulls like all cattle are pretty colorblind and can't even see the color red so what they hate is actually the movement of the cape so why are matador capes always red well, the answer is pretty violent, and if you're against any type of animal abuse, skip the next 60 seconds. But also, why do they hate the movement of the cape? I, because it probably looks annoying to them. Like, I don't like it either. <laughs> anyway, can you get to the violent part? Because someone's going to be trying to skip this. And... I know. Okay. All right. So this is, this is really wild to me because I had no idea that matadors use the capes. To not only get the bull to charge, but to cover their sword. I, I just, I've never been to... A bullfight. A bullfight. And I had no idea that this happens. So the bull charges, it doesn't see the sword under the cape, and the matador is able to make their kill. Which I'm like, what the fuck? I didn't even know these ended like this. Yeah. So the cape is red to cover any bloodstains, apparently. So I guess uh, they're fine with killing an animal, but don't want it to look like the animal is dying type of thing i don't really get it um also the matador's cape is really called uh mutella muleta i wish you would have fucking told me that before i said this (laughs) that's not getting edited fuck yeah i totally mispronounced that okay mutella like nutella no muleta (laughs) you did it again (laughs) okay (laughs) it's late and i'm tired muleta Oh, okay. Which, yes, this makes sense. So if you know a little bit of Spanish or Italian, it sounds like muerte, which means death. She had to put the extra emphasis on muerte (laughs) to, like, kind of redeem herself a little. Like, Like, I've heard Spanish words before. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have to redeem myself. Okay. Um, but the crazy thing too is that the bull's meat, once it's it's slaughtered, is then used for food in the area and local butchers and, and restaurants. So according to an article from NPR, the bull run in Spain was originally originally had used bulls that were already on their way to the slaughterhouse. They just, I guess, made an event out of it. Um, it was probably like an economic boost too, just kind of get people out, going out to eat type of thing, coming out, spending money. But I legitimately had no idea that this was part of bullfighting. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I thought it was like you wave this little red flag around and everybody goes home after oh, eating some funnel cake. No, no. I'm like very upset by this. Yeah, and just a note, we are not condoning violence over animals. So don't expect us to see don't expect to see us at any bullfighting event. Speaking of blood and raging bulls, it's a pretty common belief that women who live with each other sync up their periods. But is that really true? <laughs> wow. I guess you guys could probably guess who wrote that one. Because <laughs> it wasn't that me. <laughs> Back in what 19... Okay. Back in 1971... <laughs> I kid. I kid because I love. Back in 1971, researcher Martha McClintock studied 135 <laughs> college women living in dorms to see if their menstrual cycles synced up. Great last name for what she's studying. <laughs> Turns out that they did, but that was 50 years ago, and now we have better technology to track menstrual cycles. So has the data changed? Well, a 2006 study contradicts that belief and stated that, quote, women do not sync their menstrual cycles, end quote. A second large study of over 1,500 people, probably all women, showed it's <laughs> unlikely that the presence of another woman influences your menstrual cycle. Though a small 2017 study did show almost half of participants reported synchronicity when living with other women. Yeah, Yay, very good. said yeah, it worked correctly. That. First try, too. <laughs> impressed. Um, so, which is it, though? Um, well, this kind of thing is really difficult to track just given the variety of women's cycle each month. And a couple of days drift each month and all of a sudden you're synced. And sometimes maybe due to stress, like it throws off your cycle and you're few days late a few days early also if you live with a large group of women like in a dorm there's just a statistically higher chance that you'll end up on the same cycle as someone in that group but it's most likely just coincidence i think that is what a lot of the studies kind of chalk it up to is that mathematically it just is a coincidence because there's a large group of women and you're more likely to get synced up just well think about it like most women's periods probably last like maybe five to seven days and there's only about like 30 days in a month so it's a pretty good chance that when on a large group of women like in a dorm you're gonna overlap periods with somebody and you might be like oh my god we're syncing up but there's just only so many days in a month or a cycle so it's bound to happen and then it's maybe someone's cycle ends four days and maybe someone's cycle is a couple of days later and you know next thing you know like there is variation for whatever reason like you said stress or just natural variance and i will say for someone who lived in a a house you know in college my last two years lived in a house with like three four other girls right there's five us total i don't think there was ever a time where just the five of us were like all synced up for the year like that never really happened to be honest and that's what i would imagine if women really did sync their cycles I would imagine it would happen on a pretty large scale 
right? Like if you're all in very close proximity to one another, at least for prolonged periods of time, you would think that would be the case. Like you would all be synced up, but right. It was 10 months out of the year. It was just five of us. So it's not like, Oh, well it's just a statistically like big chance. Cause there's a lot of people and no, but it never happened. But again, that's just, you know, anecdotal evidence. So, I, although I wouldn't be surprised if there was an interaction between women and pheromones that influences your menstrual cycle. Pheromones aren't particularly strong in humans, but there are some effects. Like, for example, um, there's been some information or some evidence that you are attracted to, some, attracted to uh, an individual based on pheromones for things like immune system you want to be with someone who has oh, yeah, a I've different immune system or more like a uh, so that your offspring has a diverse immune system right basically. so things like that uh there is some evidence that we have a pheromone center kind of in our nose in our nasal cavity it's called the vno uh but again it's very small and we don't have a ton of information on it well, maybe we should do an episode on this what information is out there about this that's basically it Oh, damn it. We, we just no, did the episode. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's there's more. Uh, that's just what I remember off the top of my head from when I took advanced physiology. Yes, I'm a nerd. Advanced physiology, people, not just average physiology. I, I took the advanced physiology. I'm, I'm Miranda. Uh, anyway, uh, but we do see the effects of pheromones in animals and even pheromones from blood in animals. For example, when I was doing research in uh, with mice when I was in uh, in grad school, it, when we had to sacrifice a mouse, you couldn't have the other mice anywhere near where we were doing our procedures because they would just go bananas if they started smelling mouse blood. And I don't know exactly why. I don't, I don't remember. I'm sure my mentor told me and he'd be pretty upset if I said I forgot. But th- there is a reason, and they, they just lose it. They go apeshit. Like, they'll start fighting. They'll get pretty violent at the smell of mouse blood. What? They start fighting? Yeah, they'll, they they get buck wild. You had to keep them in a different room, or if the room was really big on a really different part, to, like, try to mitigate them uh, smelling the blood. Oh, shit. Yeah. I wonder if humans do that. But, like, we just never notice, because, like, you're pretty blind to, like, what you do. Humans are a little bit different. Blood affects us slightly differently. Wait, there was a there was remember Fear Factor the show? Yeah. There was an episode. Oh my oh, god. <laughs> that I don't know if you can hear that, but that was Jerry scratching on the st- Jerry, <laughs> fucking knock it off. Jerry really wants to get in the recording studio. So I'm just gonna let him in so we don't have to keep listening. Wait. Okay, but there was a Fear Factor episode. I'm sure we could look this up. It was a God damn it, Jerry. Just, it was a pretty well-known one. Joe Rogan was hosting, right? And the guests had to, like, dunk their heads in blood, like, basically apple bob in blood. And this dude just went bananas. He just, like, went, like, totally primal. And they, like, stopped using blood on the show after this because they are like, we cannot have that happen again. We th- they, they thought everyone was going to be, like, murdered. Yeah, I mean... I will show you this clip after. <laughs> no, I can already picture it. Like, the guy's eyes are, like, wide as hell. Yeah, I, I mean, blood tends to affect people differently, like humans differently. And this isn't so much the case now, but historically, women would faint from the sight of blood as, an, as a supposed evolutionary mechanism um, because of the really bad things that men have done 
and still do, I guess, to women, um, especially in like pillaging or sacking a city and stuff like that. So like the vasal, what we call the vasovagal response to blood uh, is still a thing evolutionarily. But and, what would the benefit of that be? Well, it's much You'd better seem to... seem dead? Yeah, it's much better to get captured than it is either killed or something else, I guess. Yeah, maybe it's like a, almost like a... Protection. Like a play dead. Yeah, pretty much. That That's that's one... One just like theory. Yeah, th- there, there's a few, and that's not really the point of this episode, but that there are like three prevailing theories as to why people, particularly women, faint at the sight of blood, and that is one of the things they suggest. I'm not saying I agree with it, not saying it's accurate, I'm just... But it is thought-provoking It and is interesting. very interesting, yes. Hmm. So I guess this is the point where we insert a joke about how it's probably not fun to live in a house with a bunch of women who are all menstruating at the same time. Uh, but you know what is fun, though? <laughs> Giving alcohol to babies. <laughs> My God, you're such an idiot. No, uh, it's not. Yeah. That is a joke. But that does lead us to our next myth, using alcohol for teething babies. Babies are definitely tough. And sometimes I don't like them. And teething babies are even worse. <laughs> okay. So new pairings may definitely be overwhelmed, right? By the crying and the discomfort experienced by a teething baby. You're both sleep deprived and it's just loud, right? So what do you off sometimes do? Liquor up that little bastard. (laughs) Some people back in the day recommend rubbing a little dark alcohol like whiskey on a baby's gums to help soothe them while teething. But I don't know if you're so much soothing them rather than just like I mean getting them a little twisted. I don't know. No, I mean when when you drink, what's the first part of your body to go numb? Your lips and mouth. I've never experienced going like numb. You never experienced your lips kind of like tingling and numb when you drink? No. God, you're a, either a machine or like inhuman. <laughs> I guess which is also a machine. Is that a common thing that people's mouths go numb? Yeah, of course. What are you drinking? Is someone slipping Vodka. something into your drink? No, it's just when you drink alcohol, it can have like a slight like numbing effect. Warren said that back in the day or a long time ago, people would do this, but I called my mom earlier today <laughs> to ask if she ever used alcohol on me or my siblings when we were teething, and she said no, but my grandma did suggest it, and my mom knows people who did it to their kids, so like, like and around the same time in which I was teething, she you know knew other people who had kids similar age, and they were doing it, so if you're wondering who neighbor? would give... what. Neighbor, I don't know. Who shall not be named. If you're wondering who would give alcohol <laughs> to a baby, apparently my family. Well, apparently not, because your mom did okay, it. Okay, but my grandma was like, no, you should do it. And, well. And if my grandma was telling my mom to do it, well, look at she mom. probably did it. <laughs> no, it was my dad's mom. My dad's mom told my, told my mom to do oh, it. Oh, okay. Which well, also, that also explains. explains a lot. <laughs> oh. I mean, my parents don't even drink, so like, I don't know. So tooth eruption generally starts around 6 and 12 months, which I didn't know because I know nothing about babies. And for some reason, the bottom front teeth almost always develop first, according to one source I read, and I guess according to most pictures I see of teething babies. So that's kind of cool, and I have no idea why or if there's a specific reason besides looking silly. So if you're a dentist and you know, hit us up on social media. Though it is fair to say that pediatricians say not to do this, like don't give alcohol to your baby because no amount of alcohol is safe for a baby. Uh, alcohol is what's called a teratogen, which is a pernicious or dangerous chemical that can affect the baby's development. But 
If you were given alcohol as a baby, you might enjoy this next myth. Hair of the dog cures hangovers. Hair of the dog is short for the phrase hair of the dog that bit you. And it's the idea that the cause of something can also be the cure. And I don't know if you'll remember this, but there was a scene from The Simpsons where Homer uh, is standing on a car and he's talking to a group of people outside. And he's like, to alcohol, the cause of and solution to all life's problems. <laughs> That's basically the idea here. You seem to link everything back to Simpsons. I can, link, I can link everything I say or do to The Simpsons or some stand-up comedy skit. Man, Simpsons really did raise you. <laughs> but there's really not a lot more to explain here. You know, you're hungover and you want to not be hungover. Because let me tell you, hungover at 31 is not the same as hungover at 21. So you'll do basically anything to not be hungover when you're our age. And if drinking more is the cure, then why not do it? So does it work? Yeah, it that kind of kind of stops your hangover until you stop drinking and then your hangover comes back with a vengeance with a vengeance Uh, it's it's not a cure it is a stall and a bad stall at that because have you ever smelled alcohol when you're hungover it is wretched i like to this day the smell of like tequila still makes me shiver like i don't (laughs) (laughs) i say i never had that issue even if i got sick from something a week later and be like bottoms up well, like, aren't you so cool and special? I cannot. I I got sick of... 20 off of, years ago, Nick got sick of beer and still can't drink it. That is very true. Although, well, not 20, 20 years ago. I was ago. 11. That's like, <laughs> all right, that's, that's not 100% true. But I was like 18 or 19. No, I wasn't. I was 21. And I got sick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Case, so if you're a cop <laughs> listening to this, If you're a I fucking narc, <laughs> I was definitely 21 and you have no proof otherwise. <laughs> But anyway, uh, I mean, like, it's it's really tough to drink alcohol when you're hungover. But alcohol can make you feel great by raising endorphins. But the crash of endorphins during withdrawal is one of the reasons for addiction. So uh, that makes me think that, like, the hair of the dog can really lead to addiction. Yeah, no, it absolutely can. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, like, terrible advice. Because, like, every time you're coming down from it, you're like, well, just pop back up on it and yeah. you'll feel better and then yeah that's literally how you enter into addiction so this is a terrible like why old wives tale or i don't even know what you'd call this it's, it's bad advice i don't i don't know if it's like the only i mean that's definitely not the only way to get addicted to something but it definitely does not help right. like it is a stepping stone towards addiction for sure so like don't do it There are ways to potentially reduce how bad your hangover will be, though. These aren't guarantees because everyone processes alcohol differently, plus other factors like how fast you drink, what you drink, and what you've eaten can all influence how you tolerate alcohol, also including how much you drink is the biggest factor in determining the severity of your hangover. Of course. So um, one thing that you can definitely do, which is... um nick and lauren tested tried and true to us is to hydrate while drinking i've heard pedialyte before and after drinking helps but i think pedialyte's pretty gross so another thing is to choose alcohols that contain lower levels of congeners congeners yes which are chemicals that are thought to be associated with hangovers i also think it helps to stick to the same alcohol when i'm out so i'm not gonna be like i'll have a wine then a tequila then give me a shot of whiskey like that's usually like a bad mix for me so 
I would say stick to one thing. Um, but yeah, distilled vodka, for example, has lower congeners than, say, bourbon. So a vodka-induced hangover should be more bearable than a bourbon-based hangover. So maybe do a little research as to what the chemicals are and what you're drinking. Here's a, a cool fact, and I don't know if you know this, Lauren, but have you ever noticed that people of Asian descent tend to get really red in the face when they drink? Yes. There is flush. a reason for that. Yes, they get they get that Wait, flush. I have heard this. Is it because they are lacking a protein that helps break down the alcohol? Uh, you remember, I yeah, they it is an enzyme. Uh, which is a protein, and it's called aldehyde uh, aldehyde dehydrogenase. I think number seven. We have several of them, uh, so I think it's number. I think it's aldehyde dehydrogenase number seven that they are missing, typically. And as a result, they don't process alcohol the same way, or at least as efficiently, and they tend to get drunk kind of fast and get uh, red in the face. This is not every person of Asian descent or who is Asian. This is just a very vague or no, i shouldn't say very vague but like a general statement so i'm not talking about you specifically there was a study interestingly enough it was an animal study that looked at hangovers from alcohol alone compared with alcohol and energy drinks i'm sorry an animal study yeah i don't <laughs> i do not know how they did this but i'm kind of not a fan of this no neither am i i think it is Really messed up to give animals alcohol and get them hungover. But apparently, the alcohol and energy drinks gave worse hangovers. But obviously, human studies are required. And I doubt you'll have to try very hard to to get participants. Yeah, just go to a freaking college town. And they'll be like, oh, do it. Just go to the Jersey Shore. They're doing it. They're paying to do it. Yeah, I mean, they're already doing it, these people. So we might as well just be like, hey, just sign here to consent. And yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm very curious about these animal studies. I I wanted to look into it a little bit more. How is that ethical? Yeah. I I mean, it sounds like something that would have had to have been done years ago but at the same time i I didn't want to look into it because i was afraid it was just gonna bum me out yeah so i unfortunately already bummed me out yeah that's i didn't want to i didn't want to get all depressed before listening to this episode yeah uh so overall we do not recommend hair of the dog as a cure for hangover and if you're gonna drink do it responsibly amen wow okay Uh, i don't know why you felt the need to add that that's gonna do it for us today if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to subscribe leave a review and especially share it it takes literal seconds to hit subscribe and click the five star review button and it would mean a whole lot to us positive ratings and shares on social media are the biggest ways you can help us spread this good good science to even more people you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at justnetscience you can also visit our website, justnessscience.com, where you can watch YouTube videos, read blog posts, or submit questions and suggest topics for future episodes. And don't forget, we put out new episodes every Tuesday. And as always, thanks for listening, guys. Lady and nerd. Lady Gators. Keep it down. You're breathing too loud, Jerry. You are breathing so Scratching heavy. Scratching the door and then comes in here panting.